Well, I want to welcome you to the Hills Church at home. In fact, I encourage you to go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. Download today's message notes. You can also download our kids' activity sheet, and you can stay up to date with services and events happening at the Hills Church. So I want to start um, a series. In fact, uh, the title today is the words, The Power of God. We're going to take that right out of the Bible from the Apostle Paul, The Power of God. But let me give you some life work, right? Not homework, life work. I encourage you to read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 31 in its entirety. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1 through 31. In fact, um, also, if you can, I'll mention it a little bit. Read that in correlation with 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22 through 28. I'll mention that in a little bit. So that's your life work. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse uh, 1 through 31. I'm going to read the first five verses for us. And again, we're going to settle, settle in on the Apostle Paul and him talking and teaching about the power of God. Let me read these verses to us first. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Let me say that last part again. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So we read about this. In fact, um, the Apostle Paul is now going to be teaching in Corinth to the church in Corinth. But one of the things, if you just have to understand just for a moment, is the city of Corinth back in that day. In fact, we would almost refer to it as like the Amsterdam of the ancient world where you could get away with anything, right? You could almost throw in any large city societies that way. Well, the city of Corinth was so prosperous because of Julius Caesar, and yet the makeup of that whole community was Greek, Jewish, Roman, and then Oriental merchants. It had three main ports. So this was a city of that day that was a hub of activity. In fact, Corinth's wealth and luxury is what made it well-known. If you can remember, maybe you have, happen to have to study it in school, the whole Greek and Roman mythology was very prevalent. The whole Olympian gods, the Titans, all of those things that we heard. In fact, there was a temple of Aphrodite. She was the goddess of beauty and love, which in that temple, there were a thousand ministers, right, or servants of Aphrodite, who offered around-the-clock prostitution. The theater, very well known for the outdoor amphitheaters, 
And when Corinthians, the people of the day, were depicted in any type of character, they were typically always drunk. Yet Paul saw the opportunity to preach the gospel in a city that is not thinking of the gospel. In fact, a, th a city going the other direction. And he was going to, again, advance the gospel in the kingdom. But we read a few things that are very interesting. In fact, when we read about Paul preaching in Corinth, it would almost be like he was preaching to the entire world because of the ports and the merchants and the amount of people coming through. The flow of people coming through made this city a great opportunity for the evangelism, for them to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now the church is going to use this opportunity to preach Jesus and hope that people went to other ports and they would share Jesus and the gospel. And eventually they'd gotten home and do the same. But Paul starts, in fact, let me read that again, as he just starts right out and he says these words. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I didn't come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching we're not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, if we took a time out for a minute, the Apostle Paul, the one that on the road to Damascus had the bright shining light, Jesus spoke to him, had scales on his eye. He's going to be the apostle that writes a, a good section of what we know of our New Testament, the miracles that took place through the apostle Paul. I mean, we could go down and listen, his preaching, his doctrine, and yet he says some interesting words that we're going to look at. But when I reflect upon the apostle Paul, it sure makes me think about John the Baptist and one of the things that John said in John 3.30 talking about Jesus. He must increase, but I must decrease. In fact, remember, um, John was baptizing people. Now all of a sudden, Jesus is coming with his disciples, and these words come out of John. He must increase, but I must decrease. In fact, he mentions these words in verse 2, he says, for I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, we just talked about the culture of Corinth. There was probably a lot of other fact gatherings uh, that the Apostle Paul could do. In fact, I actually remember following somebody in youth ministry. And when I actually got to see them preach, I felt so inadequate that I was going to be taking over. They understood the culture. In fact, this is back into the day of when the those boy bands were taking off. Not that I listened to any of that. But man, he had the moves and the songs down. 
and he he knew the culture and the kids would just laugh and laugh and laugh but that's not the gospel in fact that's why the apostle paul said for i determined not to know anything among you except jesus christ and him crucified paul wasn't concerned about all of the culture and the things going on he was concerned and it will seem to me that the message of the cross was preached. That the opportunity of people coming through these three ports would hear the gospel. That through the church and through tent making and all of the other things that the gospel would be preached. That people would hear about Jesus. They're not coming to hear us. They're coming to hear the message about the power of of Jesus. For I was determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Now, we're going to read these words next, which is shocking that the Apostle Paul actually says this, that he was in weakness, fear, and in much trembling. Weakness, fear, and in much trembling. That doesn't sound like the Apostle Paul that we read about that is bold for the Lord. Uh, that, again, doesn't matter if it's demonic things, doesn't matter if it's doctrine, correcting people in the church, calling out people in Scripture by name that they're in error, turning those over to the work of Satan. And now he says, I'm in weakness, in fear, in much trembling. Well, one of the other passages that I... Encourage you to look up as 2 Corinthians 11, verse 22 through 28. In that, the Apostle Paul gives us just several verses of things that he physically endured because of the preaching and the advancing of the gospel, stoned and left for dead. Stones, right? Um, beaten with rods, shipwrecked. In fact, one of them he mentions a night. And a whole day left in the deep. Five times he received 39 lashes. Right? Now, we don't know if it's it was the cat of nine tails like Jesus received, but five different occasions he got 39 whippings, right? Uh, back in those days. Beaten, right? Thrown naked and cold in jail. And so I always get this picture of the Apostle Paul that everybody had a picture of what he looked like. They'd heard of the authority that he walked in in Jesus Christ. They had probably been given or read uh, the letters that he had had, the doctrine. He was eloquent. You can read back in the book of Acts. I mean, he knew his stuff. He was, he was the up and coming. And now when they look at him, they can't believe that this is the person. Remember, they're all about image. And he says, I came to you in weakness. I came to you in much fear and trembling. This is the Apostle Paul right in front of us? No. Him? <laughs> you got to be kidding. But he mentions those things. I, would, I, would man, I imagine the scars that he's carrying physically visible about him for preaching and advancing the gospel, right? Remember that. He could have not followed and not preached the gospel 
and done the exact opposite, but he decided to preach the gospel. He understood there would be a suffering for preaching the gospel, and he went ahead and he did it anyways. Isn't it interesting to think about this? If you remove the power of God from Christianity, what do we have? If you remove the power, what do we have? In fact, that's what the Apostle Paul mentioned, is he mentions that very thing. He was determined not to know anything among them except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And then he's going to go on and say, that not to have faith in man, but in the power of God. Don't have faith in men, but the power of God. You know, remember the message of the cross is us to remind, it's the highest demonstration of God's love to mankind through Jesus, his son. It exposed the wickedness of humanity. They were thinking that they could kill and wipe away Jesus. But the message of the cross is powerful. The message of the cross is where the payment of blood and death bought back all mankind through a sacrifice to end all sacrifices. That's the message of the cross. And Paul said, I came in weakness in fear and in trembling, I am not relying on my physical stature, how I feel, how I look. I'm not the image of the day. I'm not caught up in the culture. I don't have all of the likes on my social media like everybody else. I don't wear the clothes that they wear. I don't hang out in the places that they hang out that everybody thinks if I just do that, then I fit in. No, I don't want to know anything except Jesus. I identify with Jesus. I've identified him with the scars on my body. And though I might look weak and frail, and I might look fearful, and I might tremble, and you might not think my words are eloquent enough for you, I'm coming in the demonstration of the power of God. That's the Apostle Paul. You know, um, this last week we were on a uh, spring break vacation uh, with my son and my daughter and son-in-law. And, um, we were getting ready to go out to dinner and I just happened to turn on the television and there were channels on there that, that we don't have in our own home. And I saw a minister's name that I just hadn't seen in years and years and years. And I deci- decided to click on the television and all of a sudden, you know, I'm watching, and it wasn't like an older one. In fact, I know that this guy is is much older. In fact, probably in his late 80s. I didn't know that he was still ministering. As I'm watching all of it, it, it again, it's more of, of image, and I'm watching. And, and then I, he had come on the stage, and he began to sing. And and um, much like it was back in the 80s with hand mannerisms of keeping the orchestra and everybody going. and he was kind of, you know, on the screen, fluttering his hand to keep going, keep going, like the crescendo. And all of a sudden, some of those hand motions and mannerisms, I got this flashback like, man, that's like what Elvis did, right? Hands moving, arms down. I was waiting for a scarf to fly out or or something like that. And I remember I, I, I just kind of turned it off and not thinking anything about it. And then we went out for dinner and we're walking around some shops and a I start listening and I, and I thought I heard like a worship song being sung through a sound system. And I look over and there's this lady 
and I did at the time I didn't see her husband or her or son. And I remember the song, it was an old song, um, One Way Jesus, You're the Only One That I Will Live For. And I remember walking into a couple of stores and you could kind of hear her singing and uh, singing. And then I got into worship songs and she's out in the middle of, of with all of these people just singing away. And it was so powerful. She didn't sing on key. The sound system wasn't clear. Um, there wasn't anybody probably paying attention to her. And so, uh, Michelle, my wife and I walked across the street, walked up to her. I noticed she had a little offering basket and I reached in whatever cash I, I had, I threw in there. And I looked at her and her husband was there and her son. And I said, I just want you to know tonight, you guys blessed me to hear that worship song. And for you singing, the Lord was honored. And if nobody else heard, I want you to know I heard it. And it meant a lot to me. And I'm a pastor. I wasn't out on the street singing. But here this family was. Nobody paying attention. In fact, I think the few dollars I threw in the offering was the only one in there. In fact, I remember later looking back and they were, you know, they had already left. Now, I just watched earlier um, a ministry on TV and I saw her and I thought, that's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. Taking and advancing the gospel and using your gift. Even if others might say think that you're a fool, even if you don't feel like you sounded like you didn't hit the pitch exactly right, but it was all about the heart. You know, th then this week I read this one quote, um, an old quote from Keith Green, and it said this, are you willing to let God do great things through you even if no one seems to notice you at all? Let me say that again. Are you willing to let God do great things through you even if no one seems to notice you at all? Isn't that what it's all about? It's not for people to notice us. We must decrease because he must increase. You know, we do many times, and I'm as guilty of it, trying to come up with clever stories and illustrations to keep people's attention. You try to come up with sermon titles that are creative of the day. And, and you know what? At the end of the day, I remember this of the Apostle Paul. He didn't fit in and look right. He wasn't probably wearing the right things. He came in weakness. He came in trembling. He came in fear. But you know what he came in with? He came in with demonstration and the power of God. In fact, he'll read this in verse 18. He'll say, for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Remember the cross, Jesus on the cross. And as he's on the cross, he looks down and his garments that have been torn off of him are now being gambled for by the soldiers. Uh, though Those religious leaders and probably others of the day came and mocked him, mocked his exact words that he said and turned them around at him. Oh, yeah, you said that you would uh, destroy the temple in three days, rebuild it. Where is that now? You can't even save yourself. You're going to save others? Mocked him. But it was the message of the cross. It's foolishness 
to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. It is the power of God. Paul wasn't concerned about fitting in the culture, looking like the culture, sounding like the culture, knowing everything that's going on with the culture. He was concerned about one thing, Jesus Christ and him crucified, being formed in fashion and knowing him above everything else. You know, when I read that quote from Keith Green, are you willing to let the Lord do great things through you, even if no one seems to notice you at all? They shouldn't notice us. They should notice Jesus. The encounter that we desire for people to have is with Jesus. In fact, maybe you're listening to this in that one verse that the message of the cross has seemed foolish to you. But the message of the cross was what started this Christianity part in motion. Without a suffering Savior and a resurrected Savior, there would not be new life. There would not be eternal life with God the Father. And it's only possible through his son, Jesus. That's who Paul preached. That's who the apostles preached. That's who we should preach, the message of the gospel. In fact, if you've never um, made or asked Jesus to be Lord of your life or Savior of your life, I would so encourage you to do so with me. In fact, you can pray this with me if you're watching by video or even listening. I'm going to say these words, and would you say it? And would you believe it in your heart? In fact, we, we get this prayer out of Romans 10, 9, and 10 that if we confess with our mouths the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we shall be saved, the Bible says. Pray this with me, dear God. I believe that Jesus lived, died, and rose again for me. I accept him as my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of all of my sins. And today I'm in your family. In Jesus' name, amen. And you know, if you prayed that for the very first time or you prayed that to rededicate your life, the most important next step is to tell somebody. In fact, I'd encourage you, you can reach out to us either by the social media platform that you're watching. You can go to our website or you can email us, info at hillschurcharcadia.org. So important. Tell somebody that you accepted Jesus and allow the message and the power of of the cross and the power of God to operate in your life. In fact, I pray for all of those that have been listening to this message. I pray you allow the power of God now to operate in your life. I pray over your physical bodies in Jesus' name. I pray over your mind in Jesus' name that you have a sound mind. I pray protection over you in Jesus' name. And I pray that the word of God would grow richly on the inside of you. That you desire to know nothing about anything except Jesus and him crucified. As we receive our tithes and offerings today, I want to read this one verse. It's out of Psalm 55, 22. Man, I felt like it's fitting for these days that we're living in. Cast your burden to the Lord, and he shall sustain you. 
He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Remember, our focus and what we look upon is Jesus, our hope, our anchor, our rock. Those scriptures are our anchor, our faith in our God. Cast your burden, whatever burden that you're feeling, cast it on the Lord, right? He shall sustain you, and he shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Stand strong in him. As we give today, pray this prayer with me. Actually, pray it as if you're the only one praying it. You're not listening to me, but you're praying this from your heart to your Father God. Pray this with me. As I give in today's offering, I give expecting God to do mighty things in the midst of his people. Lord, take my part and multiply it to do your kingdom work through me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're giving today, you can go to our website, hillschurcharcadia.org. You can click on the Give button on the top right hand of the screen. It's safe. It is fast and it is secure. You can also give by mail. You can write to us, the Hills Church, P.O. Box 661419, Arcadia, California, 91066. Hey, let me encourage you. If you want to partner with us, we're getting ready uh, on Saturday, March 26th to kick off a weekly food ministry. We've actually been doing some construction at the church to add some exterior doors to an office space to allow storage of food, to now allow to have commercial refrigeration and freezers so that we can begin to prepare and have food, plenty of food for those that come. If you would like to partner with us in that project of construction, we did not have a budget for it, but we felt led to step out and do it. If you're interested and want to know more, email me, email Walter. You can do it info at hillschurcharcadia.org. If you'd like to be a part of it, know more about it, encourage you to do so and help us reach people every single Saturday on the church campus, extending love by providing food for them. We'll keep you updated as things go on. Remember this, Psalm 121, 1 and 2. I look up to the hills, but where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And let our words be like John the Baptist. He must increase and I must decrease. God is the God of promotion. He sets one up and sets another down. So we're going to allow him to increase and allow ourselves to decrease. And we'll be blessed because we have. The Lord bless you and have a great day.